Dean, welcome back to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? Wonderful as usual. Amazing. So if you guys remember from last week, we introduced Wisdom Prod, which is a constantly evolving Anki that contains all the distilled knowledge that one should need to learn, at least according to Dr. Stian here. So I think that with the previous introduction and the pretty broad introduction, we should examine it a little bit in detail. So what we're going to do now is that um, we're going to read out loud single card. And then after that, we're going to discuss a little bit on the Dr. Stian had in mind when he inputted that particular card to share our own associations and understanding of it. And then go through the next one and next one, next one, so forth. And this wisdom project is categorized quite conveniently into some, um, um, I would say quite a few, um, but one of them being productivity, one of them being health, one of them being happiness, cognitive biases, a very large one, by the way, communication, quite small one at the moment, and lastly, general knowledge. So what this episode is going to be like is that depending on how fast we will do it or manage to get through them, this will either be one part or two parts episode about productivity. And then we're going to move on next category and so forth. So, Stian, do you have uh, any initial thoughts before we dive right into your master work? No, I think you summarized it quite well. Good. So, the first card is about productivity called Parkinson's Law. And it says, like, work expands to fill the time available for its completion. Do you have any comments? Yeah, so I'm not uh, sure how many of our listeners have heard this. So, I'm going to assume that for most of these cards, this is something that some have heard and some have never heard. So, it could that we... You can explain it further. Yes, exactly. So, I think that's fair. So, even for those who have heard it, I think most people will have forgotten it uh, after hearing it once because there's so many different sayings with so many different names. And I think Parkinson's law is something that you hear about in one context and then you don't really realize how you can apply it in a different context. So I think it's good to actually know this by heart. And this is why I created more than one flashcard uh, that have Parkinson's law and its implications. So to introduce just the concept of Parkinson's law is that work expands to fill the time available for its conclusion. And that really is a, a bit of a hard way of saying that if you give something more time than it actually needs, it will just take more time to do it. It will not necessarily become better just by giving yourself more time. That's why you don't have a course where you say that, oh yeah, in six months, there's going to be an exam. Go home and read the course because then few people will actually study every day for the exam. That's why you have midterm. That's why you have an, a test every week in order to not give you too much time to postpone something. You actually need these short deadlines when studying in order to do something productively every day. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's a very powerful framework to keep in mind because otherwise it's so easy to basically become subject to whatever agony and self-frustration is that you have this time but you don't seem to be able to start and there is a natural reason for this because I've come to the conclusion that all of us humans are natural procrastinators and not only is it like uh, natural but it's quite a survival instinct because it's our naturalistic field and I'm going to illustrate with the following experiment imagine if a wild snake just came into your room you wouldn't have any <laughs> trouble at all to get moving whether it would be like out of the room or uh, for some reason doing some heroic action whatever you would do but my point is like when it's immediate danger then you don't have any trouble with yourself that you need to get started on something but when it's not really there and you can afford to kind of wait as long as possible then we have this tendency to hold off till the very last moment you have a good example as well of how easy it is to get going when you have a very short deadline you need to leave the room because there's a snake in the room that's a very clear short <laughs> short deadline the issue would be that in six months you know there's going to be a roommate that moves in with a snake and you need to prepare and then you say oh yeah I can pre prepare next I will do some preparation a month from now and then when that month comes you say oh yeah there's no rush I can do it next month and 
there are many situations in your life that are more <laughs> common where this is an issue. I think when you have some uh, project that is your own, where you don't have a boss, when you say that, oh yes, I'm going to learn to play this new instrument, or I'm going to learn to study Anki tech every day, starting tomorrow, I'm going to do it. I will start going to the gym every week, starting tomorrow. That's when you really can see Parkinson's law come to action, where there's time to do it tomorrow, so you don't really have planning today, and there's plan time to do it next week, so you don't really have to do it today or tomorrow. And Parkinson's law really implies that you should change the way you plan things and change the way you do things in the moment. It's not just enough change how you plan it, you actually will have to do it at some point as well. So setting a short deadline, saying that tomorrow I will call my friend after I have gone to the gym, and I will tell my friend that I went to the gym, and your friend, of course, has to know this, and they will have to ask you tomorrow. So this really is an example of an accountability buddy, a person that holds you accountable for doing something that you have told them you will do. And the best kind of accountability buddy is someone where you give them, let's say, $500. And after you have reached your short-term goal, it could be that a week from today, you will give me this money back. Or it can be a month from now, you will give me this money back uh, once I have reached this goal. And it should be a very specific goal. I think we will get to the smart way of setting goals later. Uh, but that's one way of doing it, a smart goal. And that way, your accountability buddy will know when you have reached to go. And it will also know when you have failed your goal. So your uh, Parkinson's law will have been dealt with by having a person that holds you accountable in the short term so that your work does not expand uh, to the point where you just postpone it. I remember the classic bestseller for our work week when it came to productivity. Only it came down to two different principles. One of them being Parkinson's law and the second one being Pareto. We are going to mention Pareto at some point, but I just want to point out that with these principles alone, basically deciding like, okay, this one is probably way more important than all the others than allocate a short amount of time. You can um, get a lot done. Is this something you have utilized yourself? To some extent, I have, yeah. But it really is uh, project-specific. So how you prioritize a, uh, a specific project, if it's something that, oh yes, I want to get better every day, but it's enough if I spend just two minutes doing it so that I get into the habit of doing it. Or if it's a project like I want to get better in this current sport I'm playing, then maybe I have to set aside half an hour once a week to actually learn something specific and then practice it when you play your sport. So it's really very different how you want to apply it. Yeah, exactly. And um, in order to play your sport, <laughs> sorry, in order to play your sport, it's good to have the current path free from all other temptations, which leads us well to the next card. And the next card reads, it is easier to avoid temptation by removing it or adding obstacles to it when you have a lot of willpower. Do you want to comment on that? Yes, I think that uh, the phrase speaks for itself, but just to clarify, it's easy to understand it. If you just think of it as when I have this urge for something and it's very easy to reach it, I will satisfy this urge. So let's say that you're a smoker, then it's very easy that uh, having a pack of cigarettes and a cigarette lighter right next to your bed every time you wake up, then it will be very easy for you to start smoking the first thing you do in the morning. But if you give away all your cigarette lighters and give away all your cigarettes and every time you want to smoke, you have to go and buy a new one every morning. So your first cigarette will have to be after you've been to the store to get both of those things. Then you wouldn't light a cigarette every morning. That's one example. And I think that's quite extreme. I think most of our listeners will not have this specific issue. To give a more realistic example for our audience, I think it could be that maybe you feel like you watch too much TV when you come home from work or school and you feel like I should probably read more books in the future. But right now I want to watch my favorite TV show when I come home. Then you could have something like before I watch TV or whatever it is that you want to do that gives some relaxation that isn't as relaxing as reading your favorite book that you have on your to-do list. Then you could have that I will put my TV remote on a bookshelf behind the book that I want to read and before touching my remote every day I have to read one page in this book that I actually want to read so that your routine isn't 
to not watch TV. Your routine is first read one page and then watch TV. And then you can be fine with just having this as your goal to read one page. And then your reward is to watch your favorite TV show, which is a great way of actually habit stacking, which we will come to soon, uh, where you add something to motivate you to do the thing you actually want to do. So watching TV is fine, but you should be doing it as a reward from reading this book, not just from coming home from work. Yeah, and uh, I also want to add that uh, from the mega bestseller and the ultimate classic, in my opinion, Atomic Habits, they discuss the same. One of them is like in order to make it easier slash more difficult to perform a certain action. Let's return to the smoking example. If you have to basically buy a lighter every time, it's kind of a hard uh, friction that you have to uh, jump over and sometimes you won't have the uh, urge to do it. So it's a very great way to kind of in a more automatic sense be able to satisfy or probably more uh, what you say uh, domesticate or control the um, the habit right then and conversely when it comes to like the easier one and also when it comes to temptation bundling which you mentioned with the remote control and books and stuff it's much easier to have some kind of a path dependence rather than trying to wish that it's going to magically uh, appear a moment in which you feel like okay now it's time to read that uh, one page or ten page or whatever so um, that was just some reflections uh, I guess that you have other from Atomic Habits down the line yes we will definitely get back to those and just to continue with uh, your example that uh, as you say that uh, in, in case for example that you feel like oh yes I'm still doing it's just a case of now it takes a few more seconds to let's say that you uh, feel like oh no I'll just weekly watch my TV show first and then reward myself with one chapter or one uh, next week I'll read a whole chapter uh, of the book so it's something that Atomic Habit is really good at say that you shouldn't really strive toward doing so much you should really be happy with just reading one page per day because it really is the habit rather than the out that you should be focusing yeah pretty, mu- pretty much I would say pretty much all my uh, what's a successful behavior changes arose from the fact that I was basically doing them in a little sense to then gradually move up and I'm sure that we're going to go ba- come back to it but speaking of seconds let's introduce the 20 seconds rule and yes. this one is very correlated to what we just talked about so we can probably uh, tie it back to what Chris discussed but this card says if you want to practice an instrument more frequently place it in the middle of a room yes if you for example then reach for the remote very quickly and even when you put in the bookshelf behind your favorite book it might not be enough maybe you even have to hide the batteries in two different places in the apartment so that you have to spend two minutes just to get your remote work and still you're watching too much TV because one, every day you get there and then you could add even more uh, obstacles to what you do or here in the 20 second rule example you can do the opposite you can uh, have it that your uh, guitar example that you want to play is right uh, on the sofa right in between you and the TV so that you know that oh yes I should really play some guitar now because I see it in front of me or you could have just on your bedside table so that it's easy to grab and then it's very easy to pick it up whenever you feel like and it's yeah, also man. much easier yeah. to get motivated to do it and just oh yeah I see it here and I've been thinking of it because I see it every day and just to point out we have talked a lot about like rooms and physical space but I want to transfer it to digital space well one thing that I've been very what you say uh, repetitive in trying to enforce especially when it comes to my barbell productivity system is the fact that you need a calendar widget because it comes that back to that again that it needs to be clearly visible because otherwise it would be forgotten the digital space and uh, we can take the phone screen for example uh, functions in the same way that what you want to use more often should be placed in a way that it's most likely to come across either by accident or by other kinds of uh, sudden associations and conversely when it comes to apps that you might want to use some point but maybe not uh, every five seconds you could try to like have a more uh, what you say a better placement that does not involve it being on the front of the screen but rather 
rather on the more backend or probably on search one stuff like that. Is that something that you apply to your digital phone uh, order or <laughs> system? Yes, definitely. Same as you, my home screen has a calendar that is very clear on what is right now the next thing that has to be done because that's what you have in your calendar. And then I always check my to-do list. That is all the things that I want to get done. And whenever something appears in my to-do list uh, that is on automatic repeat every week, for example, and I feel like, oh no, this is not the best day to do it. And I will postpone it to the best day to do it. So I very much have this kind of uh, calendar and to-do list that is made for me. What is it that I want to get done today? That sounds awesome. So let's move on to Nickard. And this one will be quite fun because I will probably, I don't know if you will disagree or agree on that one, but it bears some clarification, but I'm going to read that loud. There is a switching cost when multitasking or being interrupted. This is because the brain performs worse when switching focus back and forth between tasks. So, and the solution here is single tasking, name of technique minimum, switching cost. Plan a time, focus on one thing at a time while not allowing interruption. I think this one speaks for itself in the case of you knowing that you shouldn't be on your phone when driving, for example, so that decreases your capacity to drive. And I think many people have heard the same thing for if you get interrupted while working because someone asks you for help with something and then you have to get back into focus, that it takes a few minutes to get back into focus. And if you check your email, for example, while actually trying to be productive in writing some lengthy text or programming or doing some other work that takes a lot of time to get into the flow, to get into focus, then it's actually very bad for you to check your email every few minutes and then answer an email that might actually distract you a lot. So I think these kind of distractions that are quite common today, especially if you have any kind of notification on your phone. So when you want to be productive, you should always turn off all disturbing notifications so that if it's really important, then maybe it's possible to call you. But it shouldn't be that your phone disturbs you every time you get a text, for example, especially not every time you get an email. Yeah, and that's something that I sort of agree and sort of not and probably agree all along, but I just want to point out the difference between what I call multitasking and multitasking. And to illustrate this um, difference, let's introduce uh, Daniel Kahneman and Theo Compronoli here because it's quite evident from modern research that we do have two particular systems called System 1, System 2. System 1 is more what you say in the present, doing multiple tasks simultaneously, although maybe not perfect, while System 2 is the one more analytical, not intuitive, but it's the one that will get the job done. And uh, the famous brain researcher, Theo Compronoli, has same way as well, that um, there is a reflective brain, reflexive, sorry, a, yeah, exactly, a reflective brain and a reflex brain. They are quite similar in wording, so it's easy to uh, juxtapose them. So what the two terms of multitasking comes in here that I absolutely agree that when using, if if you want to do two tasks that involve the reflective brain or system two and try to switch them back and forth, that is basically a before disaster because yeah, our brain is more suited for doing things one thing at a time. But if there is tasks that are so reflective that you can pretty much do them without any effort at all, or maybe you don't know that you them, then it's technically multitasking because you're doing stuff uh, at the same time, but it doesn't really have the same effect. And some examples would be things like walking and talking on phone, etc. I know that many salespeople are doing it. And also when doing other stuff, for instance, doing the dishes while listening to uh, the podcast, or maybe as you still would do at times, you play a VR game while communicating with friends. And all of, all of that is just a testament to that when there are two tasks that do not involve like same kind of cognitive processing uh, um, procedure or whatever you call it, then I think uh, multitasking would is not only harmful, but also quite beneficial. But when it comes to, for instance, like trying to write an email or while uh, writing something else, or even worse, trying to listening to something while trying to write that, then it's basically just a switch back and forth, which can be quite tiring.
doing. Yes, I completely agree with you there that there are definitely cases where you want to be doing more than one thing at time. Like, for example, talking with a friend while doing the dishes or having dinner with a friend and talking at the same time that you're having dinner. I think most people would say that it would be very strange if you were sitting quietly uh, for an entire dinner uh, when you see a friend that you really enjoy talking with. And as you say, when you're writing something, you don't want to be listening to an audiobook at the same time or you don't want to talk to your friends uh, while emailing another friend. It would be very hard for you to be giving either good conversation. Yeah, exactly. And also one last thing before we move on, probably to the last part because uh, yeah, I've I've really been enjoying this uh, uh, format, uh, by the way. That's something we definitely come back to. But I want to introduce the uh, like term context switches in kind of a new way because normally context switches is kind of like a very, very bad uh, consequence of doing all of this yeah. switching back and forth. But in some circumstances, and now I'm talking specifically about like creative work. And I noticed myself in my own uh, writing when I write a new article every morning and every Twitter thread every afternoon. Then in this case, it could be very valuable to do a, what you could say, a conscious context switch that you want to briefly move over in order to get more of a associative effect. But, and I would say it's a quite a significant, but it requires that you have a system, you have some kind of a note-taking procedure that allows you to have everything you have in mind all out in the trust place. Because if you don't have that, then it's very, what you say, um, destructive to ha- have all this kind of mumble-jumble in, <laughs> in the brain while trying to previously work on this other. So one thing it could be quite important to add here is that by basically writing everything down, like for instance, like having a separate document for working memory and stuff like that, you don't need to hold anything in your head. And when you don't need to hold anything in your head, then it's easier to pretty much invite new um, input or streams that could spark some kind of uh, insights or solution to a passage that you previously weren't quite sure on how to um, previously formulate. But it requires that you work with your brain, not against. Have you used a similar method? To a large extent, I would say that my to-do list really is this kind of leaving your uh, requirement for your memory to having a to-do list that does that for you. Yeah, and um, that is pretty much the essence of the system to basically allow you to forget it and just be quite immersed one activity at a time. So like for real, it will be like just like normal single task, but much easier to switch. So um, I think we're going to, we mentioned like focus and calendar a lot. And I think the last part of this episode is going to give it good justice. And this one reads, putting important tasks in calendar improves focus. Clear start and end time, stronger commitment tasks are the reason. Do you have any comments? Yes. And I think for most people who are used to using the calendar, they can really see how the case. And for people who are not so familiar with what we're talking about here, it's really a case of if you have a specific thing you want to do this and you think that, oh yes, I will find time to do it. And then the weekend comes and you haven't found the time. It didn't really materialize time when you should do it. And then you think, oh yeah, maybe next day we'll find time to do it. And that's a very tricky way of getting something done. If you know it's going to take about two hours, then you really should put it in your calendar if it's important. And if you don't think that, oh yeah, I will prioritize this sometime during the day, then you should really put it in the calendar and say that this is a good time to do it because this is when I have the most energy or this is a task that doesn't need so much energy. So I can do it in the afternoon when I'm tired, for example. I can just do it because I know it now is when my calendar is telling me to do it. And I should trust my system that now is the time to do it. Yeah, and I completely, completely agree on you see the calendar, do it. And this is a quite uh, important part, my barbell productivity system, link in the description. And it is to separate the planned time from the unplanned time, which you do with the calendar, obviously, because you plan the specific time and leave room for whatever power naps you want to indulge yourself after if you're into that, that me and Stin is doing so, uh, or I'll do it. But what I want to emphasize here that in order to get in flow, it's quite a requirement to have some kind of um, internal sense 
sense to, okay, this is how long I slowed you be there for to basically lower the ambiguity. And especially if you are not able to tap into the present moment on command, it's a very potent way to get yourself going, get yourself in kind of flow state that's ideal for doing anything really. And um, I recommend also that you should do this. You know, I mean, important tasks are must-dos, nonetheless, they are things that you pretty much have to do uh, unless you want to experience some consequences. So this is a great way to somewhat delegate the, I would say that the delegation of the start and end time to a trust system allows you to not having to rehearse it all and over, all and over, over again. That uh, pretty much uh, destroys uh, <laughs> your mind. So um, I guess that we are quite in union there. Are there any lasting thoughts that you want to share with all of us this week before we end this one? Yeah, I think that the uh, finish of this card, it really, if you haven't used it, you will uh, perhaps be surprised by how useful it is to feel like, oh yes, I can see that it's going to be done. I look for when you see it in front of you, you can see that I don't feel like doing it, but I look forward to having it finished. And this really gives a good commitment to the top that having used this system for a few weeks, you will feel like, oh yes, I can actually see that I can find time to do all my daunting tasks. So now they don't seem so daunting. If you know you have five things you have to get done that you don't feel like doing, it can feel quite hard to make time for them today. But if you can schedule them to uh, one day per week, uh, then it doesn't feel as daunting because you know, oh, I only have to do this one thing. And based on my estimate, it should only take this amount of time. And I have scheduled some time between my two tasks so that if it takes another hour, I know that it's not that bad. But by having this commitment device, you can also see that, oh yes, if I get it done and I work hard, I might finish early and I can have a reward because I have time in my schedule for this reward. So there's multiple ways of both combining these different uh, incentives so that you can be extra motivated. But just by just having it in the calendar, it's a really good motivation. Yeah, that sounds like a very great way to finish it off. In the next episode, we are going to finish the particular sub part of the wisdom project. And if you haven't done it already and um, are using Anki or want to use Anki or think that you would benefit from using Anki, you should definitely download the wisdom project through uh, the link in the description so you can firsthand get a taste of what we've talked about today and we're going to cover it. So with that said, I want to thank you once again, Stenemo, for being such a good sport. Thank you.